Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, and I'm so glad you could join us here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Today, you are going to come with me on an adventure. You're going to suspend your knowledge of reality and what you think you know about iPhones and Internet and other online kinds of things. Today will be a day of discovery, a day we unleash what is quickly being touted as the next big thing. Where are we, you ask? Well, we're at the Rockland County offices of the great Barry Schwartz, CEO of Rusty Brick. Rusty Brick is a web service firm specializing in customized online technology. Basically, they make a lot of really cool apps and a lot of really great websites for loads of companies out there, offering a wide range of services that help companies build revenue and cut costs. Past clients range from Publishers Clearinghouse and Rainbow Appliance to Yeshiva Teferis Yerushalayim and Pitney Bowes. But today will not be an adventure in web design per se. It will be an adventure in the future. Because today, ladies and gentlemen, Barry Schwartz is letting us into the world of Google Glass through its company's newest innovation, Jewglass. In a moment, we're going to get our very own demonstration of how this so-called wearable computer works and how Jewglass can revolutionize the way you conduct your religious life. And that's not all. Later, we'll sit down with Barry and talk shop with him. You may recall that when we spoke with Barry a while back, he promised us a first-hand look at Google Glass, and today he is delivering on that promise. Let's hear what else he's got coming up the pipeline and what we can expect to see in the technological marketplace. And there's more. Tomorrow on JM in the AM, we'll be giving away five Rusty Brick iPhone sitter apps. That's a $10 value, ladies and gentlemen. So listen to our show today and then tune into Nahum Siegel on JM in the AM tomorrow to answer some questions about our show and see how you can be a lucky winner. Let's go inside. So we're inside the offices of Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick, and I got to tell you, the atmosphere here is really cool. There's lots of high-tech stuff going on in this dressed-down environment, and after today, we'll all be in the know about the latest in computer technology. So sitting with me is Barry Schwartz. He is the CEO, as I said, of Rusty Brick, and as I told you earlier, in New York, it is a New York web service firm specializing in customized online technology that helps companies decrease costs and increase sales. Barry is also the founder of the Search Engine Roundtable and the news editor of Search Engine Land. He is well-known and respected for his expertise in the search marketing industry. Barry graduated from the City University of New York and lived with his, lives with his family in the New York City region. So tell me, Barry, first of all, thank you so much for this demo and for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. What are you wearing on your head right now? Uh, earphones? No, I'm wearing these uh, <laughs> Google uh, Glass device. So let's describe to our listeners what the Google Glass device actually looks like. Um, so basically what it looks like, it looks like um, glasses without the lenses with a little box lens at the top right corner of your eye. So all this time until I actually looked up the photos online, when I heard Google Glass, I was imagining like contact lenses that you put in your eye. And I was thinking, ew, gross. Like I wouldn't want to put something actually in my eye. But the Google Glass is more like a set of of glasses, but they don't actually look like glasses. They look more like, a, you know, like when you wear a visor that doesn't have the cap on top? It's kind of like glasses without the glass. Yeah, and it kind of feels that way. You don't really don't feel it wearing it. You just see this little box at the top right. Um, and technically, you're able to pop in lenses, sunglasses, or see-through lenses that are not sun, and they're going to hopefully make prescription lenses for it. So actually look like glass with 
another piece of glasses with another piece of glass on top of it. So I have to tell you also, I mean, we're wearing our headphones and everything, so we don't look 100% like people walking down the street. But is this going to be the norm? I mean, you look a li- like you look a little funny in the glasses. Yeah, <laughs> is it, no, is this going to be the norm? People walking down the street talking to themselves with just like a piece of wire going across their eyebrows? I don't think this is going to be the norm. I think it's going to be closer to not noticing on a person. So maybe contact lenses, maybe something less noticeable and weird. Uh, but this is definitely Google's early... Um, so this is like the prototype. This is like a very early prototype of what Google's coming out with in terms of wearable technology. Apple's expected to come out with something wearable as well. So what it's going to actually look like, final consumer product, it's going to be hard to know. But I assume it's going to be less weird, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because it just looks... It just looks a little funny. And when I was looking to see, like, how it works, I, you know, I was looking at the Google demo, and I was also looking at RustyBrick.com to see the Juglass photos that you posted up there. It just – I feel like people are going to be talking to themselves, just walking around. I mean, they do already when they have their earpieces in. You see them on the street – see them on the street of Manhattan walking and talking to themselves. But here it's like, you know, it's going to be totally normal. You're going to be in a meeting, and then you're going to say the words, okay, Glass. Right. So I don't think it's going to be as – actually, you just triggered it. So I did? I'm going to go ahead and uh, – How cool is that? I, trig- I triggered the glass to start working on the remote phone. Right. There's so Barry is wearing the device right now. He's going to let me try it on in a couple of minutes. Barry's wearing the device right now, and what he's seeing in the right-hand corner of his eye is the same image that he's seeing on his phone. Do you always have to have your phone with you? Does it work like a Bluetooth? Um, it pairs to your phone. It is, is what powers the actual internet on the device. Um, it actually lets you have phone calls, so it is like a Bluetooth headpiece as well. So it's where's the where's the mouthpiece? Where how does it hear you? Just like you have a Bluetooth earpiece, that's not really a mouthpiece. It just hears you because it's it has the microphone somewhere here. Somewhere on the device itself. Yeah, somewhere on the device, somewhere here. Like right. So the, just also, I mean, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening to our show right now also checks out our video because we're also online, so you guys can actually see our demo right here. So, But just if you happen to be listening to this and you're not looking at our video right now, um, it does have the nose piece that you would imagine on a regular pair of, like, wire rim glasses. It does have the nose piece. And then on the upper right-hand side, I feel like that kind of looks like the size of, like, a USB it kind of looks yeah. like a zip drive. It kind of looks like a, like a little flash drive, right? Like a little flash drive. There's a battery in the back of the ear. I think some of the computer chips on the on over here on the right hand side, and then the piece of glass is in front. There's and how do you charge it? Well. USB. And you and you have to plug that device in, and you have to plug your phone in. Well, not to use it. I mean, it's not plugged in while you're using it. But, but you have and you it. have to be in an area, obviously, where you have internet Wi-Fi capabilities in order for it to really work. You need uh, your int- your phone has to have some type of internet connection, 3G, 4G, LTE. As long as it has an internet connection, this will get notifications and data streamed to it. That's really cool. Okay, so you also told us that you can put the glasses on, uh, the sunglasses on. Right. Let's see what the sunglasses look like, and then later on, I'll embarrass myself a little bit too and try them on. Okay, Barry is trying on. Oh, you look really cool. Barry looks like a cool dude. <laughs> he is wearing the Google Glass, and they actually look like normal glasses right now. They, they, they look like normal sunglasses with a little piece sticking out the top. If they could flatten out the piece on the right-hand side, I think that it, they might actually look like regular normal sunglasses. Yeah, that piece of glass in the front is fairly thick. I, guess, I don't know. You can see it's kind of like a... It looks like glass. Like a half-inch block or, so, right. or something. Right. It definitely does. Uh, okay. But I walk into stores all the time. Is it heavy? On. Yeah. May I feel it? 
Okay, I have the Google Glass in my hand. David, are we seeing it? Okay, so it's not that heavy. It's pretty lightweight. And um, may I try it on? Go ahead. Okay, so let's see if I could get this under my headphones. How did you do that I so suavely? Okay, how? Next to those pieces in the middle. Oh, yeah, it's not in the middle. Okay, it's there we go. It's supposed to be aligned higher above your eye, so put it up a little okay. higher. Like Put it up a little higher. Okay, so now I do actually see. Okay, so I am seeing what Rusty is seeing. Rusty, what Barry is seeing, because it says RustyBrick.com on the bottom corner there. So I am wearing the glasses now, and they feel like regular glasses. I am a glasses wearer. I mean, normally I wear contact lenses, but I'm a glasses wearer, so it's fairly comfortable and fairly lightweight. And in the upper right hand side, I'm actually seeing um, something that says visits and page views and RustyBrick.com on the bottom, and I'm wondering, as I'm wearing the glasses, and I think this is, you know, a general discussion about the Google Google Glass in general, it does feel a little distracting to me. It will for the first uh, few hours. And you know, you know when you're driving and you have to peer into your left rearview mirror and you have to look into the center rearview mirror, for a moment, your eyes are not focused on the greater general picture of the road. You're more focused on a specific area of the road, and then you have to readjust your eyes. And, of course, as you drive more and more and more you get used to it but the very beginning I remember that it was very difficult to go from the specific looking in the rearview mirror to the general big road so I'm feeling like I'm looking out and I'm seeing regular life but I do have to focus my eyes to the upper right hand corner to see what's in the little computer screen is that going to be I mean it does feel like how could I possibly drive like this and look at that at the same time do you think that's more distracting than using a GPS that's off to the bottom middle of the car versus looking through a GPS right in your eye, a heads-up display. You're still looking at the street versus not looking down to the right. Right. I don't, I don't know. I guess you're right that you probably do have to get used to it. Yeah. Right now, I feel like if I were looking at the at the Google Glass, is that what you call it? The, yeah. You call it the Google Glass? I call it the glass. But the glass. Okay. So right now, I feel like if I'm looking at the glass in the upper right-hand corner, it does feel like I'm not focusing on life in front of me. And that would make me feel a little bit worried on the road. Although I do look at my GPS, and my GPS does talk to me, which I imagine this could talk to me as well. Yeah. Um, where do you hear it from, by the way? Um, the outside of the... Where's you hear the, it in your ear, a little uh, ping or something. So if you take your finger and just swipe. Yeah. Just swipe oh, I did it. hear a, a ping before. So I'm swiping on with this, on the one actual, finger. On the actual thing, yeah, swipe it. Oh, I see that. Okay, so that's now the, it says... That's the home screen. That's now the, it's giving me the time. Okay, so that's the home screen. So now swipe again. Swipe again. Swiping the side. And click, you'll hear a noise. And click. Okay, so I do hear the noise, but it's not, it's above my ear. And swipe down, you'll go back to the main. Swiping down and, and going swipe, back to the main screen. It's talking about Barack Obama. That's is a tweet. That's a tweet. <laughs> okay, that's a, that is a tweet that you are receiving. And to go out, you just swipe down and it will close it out. I'm swiping down and I'm closing it out. That's very cool. Okay, so Google Glass, is this the future? Is this the new iPhone? Is this the new, like, what is this? So Google Glass is the first... I'm just getting used to it. I'm still wearing it, everybody. <laughs> Google Glass is really the first wearable technology that's been out there and talked about by a lot of people. Um, I do believe wearable technology is going to replace the phone in your hand. It's going to replace an external um, thing that you're carrying. It's going to be... I don't know what form it's going to be. Is it going to be glasses? Is it going to be... Um, a watch is going to be something else. It's going to be something that you're going to wear. So I That's definitely so think... like Jetsons, right? The watch. Right, exactly. So everybody's saying the Jetsons really did have the wave of the future in mind when they put out that little cartoon. 
Exactly. So I, th- I definitely think, um, I don't know in this form, but I think wearable technology is the future and it's going to re- ultimately replace your phone. I do think so. And is this something that people will wear all day? You can. You could. Because, I mean, you have your phone on you all day, but you're not necessarily wearing it all day. I mean, you have your phone on you when you go to a wedding, but you're not going to wear the Google Glass when you go to a wedding. You might if it's less, if it doesn't look so weird. I was the first one with a sitter in shul on my iPhone, davening from my iPhone in a shul, and people thought it was weird then, and now you go into a shul and you see everybody doing it. It's funny. You do see everybody doing it, but I actually went to a bar mitzvah recently, and the Baal Simcha was reading his speech from his iPad, and it, it did strike me as like a little bit... It was just funny looking. I'd never seen it before. It was just a little funny looking. Imagine being hands-free. I'm used to papers, everybody. You hear my papers? I'm so used to papers. You don't need papers. these papers. You just look up and you see it. You can just look yeah. at the camera and talk like this. I don't have an iPad, though. I'm like three devices behind. I got the Mac. I got the iPhone. I don't have the iPad. So, and I saw that you have the iPad mini, too. I do. We have lots of devices. You can play if you want. <laughs> Are there any freebies? I can go home with some, some <laughs> iPad minis. <laughs> We're not giving away iPad minis today, but we are, ladies and gentlemen, giving away five free Rusty Brick iPhone sitter apps. you got to listen to the show tomorrow morning on JM and the AM. We'll ask you some questions about today's show, and you can be a lucky winner. So tell us about Jewglass. First of all, when did you start working on Jewglass? How long ago? Um, we started working on Jewglass um, right after Tisha B'Av, I believe. So maybe like two. That's a very ago. short time ago. Yeah, it took us about two or three days to fully produce what we produced. Um, and we launched it officially, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday night. What's today? Today's, Today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. So Monday or Tuesday night. Um, that being said, um, it, there's a beta out there. There's very few people who have Google Glass, and there's very few Jewish observant people who have Jewish Glass. Maybe right. there's like, I would have to say, like two, three, or four people. So we've told those people who, have, who are Jewish and Orthodox that would, you know, get use out of this, how to download it and how to use it on their on their, on their their actual Google Glass. They're playing with it. We're experimenting with it. Um, and we've been trying different features right with it right now. So I, I think that, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about Jew Glass and Google Glass. And we, we can have a discussion about Jew Glass, I think, without understanding this process of Google Glass. So how did you become a Google Glass Explorer? Okay, so there's, there were two sets of Google Glass Explorers. One was part of the Google I.O. Um, conference, which Google runs every year for developers to learn about their latest technology and APIs and different software development kits. Um, so we launched it. Um, so they, they announced it two years ago at the last Google I.O. Okay. People were able to sign up at that Google I.O. conference to be part of this Explorer group, and they got it at the last Google I.O., which was... What did you have to do to get it? You have to, you have to pay $1,500 and sign up. Small so, small fee, ladies so, and gentlemen. So it was 2,000 developers who were, ac- who were able to get that. How many part, developers? About 2,000 developers were able to get that part of that group. Worldwide? Worldwide. Then the next group, which I was part of, was a contest Google ran on the social networks, Google Plus, Facebook, uh, Google Plus and Twitter, I believe. Was this Facebook. the hashtag contest? If, if I had glass. If I, okay. So you're supposed to submit... What I'm just like starting to learn now what what hashtags mean. I'm right. a little behind the times here on the hashtags. I don't use hashtags. So you're supposed to either submit via Google Plus or Twitter uh, hashtags saying, if I had glass, I would do what? what okay, do so what it? did you submit? I said I would build Jewish apps for Google uh. Glass. And I came up with this, what we would do with it. Um, and I was one of the, I think, 8,000 people that were accepted into this program. Wow. So your pitch had to be unique enough that you were... Somebody that they could trust to start to explore. 
Correct. with this device. And that was only limited to U.S. people, people in the U.S. who would actually are willing to go pick it up in New York mm-hmm. or in uh, California. And how, do you, is this the only one you actually own, the one that I'm still wearing yes. on my face? Yeah. So I need to be very delicate with it. We don't want to break it. We don't want to. Supposedly it's, it's, it's made out of titanium, so it's hard to break, they say. But So how did you learn how to use the Google Glass in order to develop the technology that you would need to work with it? Is it very different than developing technology for iPhone or Android or the other things that you develop here? It's definitely a different um, programming uh, method. It's also a different user experience. It doesn't work as an app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of, to visualize it, um, you're basically seeing cards of information in your eye based off of um, time of the day or where you are. So there's basically a, a way to pan through what you're seeing, and that's your timeline. So as you go through cards, you see different things throughout your timeline. What was sent now, what was sent 10 minutes ago, what was sent you know, a day ago. And within each card, you're able to actually do certain types of actions. So you Do you have see- a timeline on this that I could see what you're visualizing? Yeah, visual so tap. Is? Tap. I'm tapping. Okay, so now it says the time. Oh, swipe now down it says one. Google. Sorry, swipe down. Swipe down. All right, okay. now. There's the time again. Swipe. Now the swipe. <clears throat> Forward swipe? Yeah, I think so. Forward swipe? So uh, you just flew through a whole bunch of timelines. So if you just swipe, David wants, you want to see this? So I'll hold it up while you swipe. Okay. So, so that, if you're looking online now, so you can is, actually see what we're doing. So what Barry is showing us on his phone is what I'm seeing here in the corner, the right-hand corner of my eyes. So it says, sitter support request. That's basically an email that I received. Okay, sorry. So if you swipe again. Swipe forward? Um, the same way you did last time. Just okay. slowly do it, not so fast. Okay, sorry. I did it too fast. So that's a picture of Ronnie talking okay. about R- something. Ronnie is Barry's brother? Yep. And what is his title in the company? He's the uh, the chief technology officer. Okay. So swipe, so swipe slowly. Okay, swiping slowly. So it's going from one screen to the next, and we're actually reading Barry's emails right, right. now. So, okay, so how do I get to a different... Uh, well, you've got to keep swiping until you find something. Okay, uh, so why don't we bring up Glass? Oh, there's a picture of me. Okay, there is a still photo of us. A still photo of us. Okay, David is taking the camera so that... David is taking the phone so that you guys could see it on the camera at home. There we go. So in the meantime, um, I don't want to swipe because I want everybody to see that great... Oh, so, so we're scrolling now. Okay, so there's more pictures. There's David. Hello. So these are still pictures that we took a couple of minutes ago. If you want, you can share those on Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus by tapping on it. And uh, that's the last photo that we took. Okay, so let's get us now to um, the Juglass app. And I don't know if you could explain to us how... Is it called an app, by the way? I think so, yeah. Right now it's called an app. And how did you come up with the name Juglass? Well, I was thinking, like, it's not a specific... It's not like a sitter. It's not a um, kosher restaurant finder. It's not anything specific, it's specific around Jewish things. So I wanted to, I, I couldn't just nail down one word for it. And the possibilities are endless as to where you could go with that. Yeah, so like for example, it will send you candle lighting times, you know, on Friday afternoon, remind you what time candle lighting And is. just like you would on your phone or you, it would identify where you are using your locator on your, on your phone, I guess. Right, so every 10 minutes or so, I think Google automatically pulls your location sends it to the people you authorize, and based off your location and time, it would actually know certain information about you and send you relevant information based off of where you are and where you when you're there. Cool. So what can the Juglass app do right now? Um, so basically, it could do a bunch of things. It could go ahead and send you prayer notifications. So if okay. you want to remember to say Marv 
um, at night, it will send you a MARV notification. So you, can I can I do that right now? Can I say, um, remind so, me to Davin today? <laughs> no, <laughs> will so that you, work? No, once you install the app, yeah. um, there's a settings page that lets you say, all right, what type of reminders do you want? Because not everybody's going to want the same reminders, right. so it lets you configure your reminders. So you have to set it up first. You set it up first, and once you set it up, then it will send you these reminders in your timeline. It doesn't send it on, it's programmed not to send it to you on Shabbos or Yontif, so... Um, it actually, even if you're wearing Google Glass and Shabbos Yontif, it won't say yeah, so I, I was thinking about that on the way over, that will the day come where wearable computer technology will be something that you can wear on Shabbos? I mean, you know, essentially, so. we have figured out a way, and I know that, you know, not everybody uses all of the features of the Shabbos mode on the oven or the Shabbos mode on the fridge, but we have, as a community, figured out a way to use the oven you know, to heat up food on Shabbos without touching the buttons and without being over any, uh, you know, great malachas here. Right. And we have figured out a way to open our refrigerators without turning the light on. And we have figured out a way to read at night by, you know, using a Shabbos lamp. Right. Do you envision something like this, wearing this computer on my head, being something that I could potentially do on Shabbos? If it doesn't turn off, yes. Um, mm-hmm. We are actually working on, we have another product called Shul Cloud. It's basically a synagogue right. management platform. So a lot of the shuls want a, a screen mounted in their shul showing streaming data from their platform about when Mincha is, based on what time it is, mm-hmm. when min, what, what, what are upcoming events, whose yard sites are coming up, stuff like that. So we're thinking of also making a home-based version of it, which pushes only information, like you see in there, to that person on a screen. So, so you'd have a screen in your home that says, Jimmy, reminder, soccer practice at 4 o'clock. Right. So it would be more Jewish-related stuff. So, right. But it would be like, yeah, it would be a reminder you have a yurtzeit today for whatever, or it would be a reminder it's your wife's you know, Hebrew birthday. Please make sure to buy them a present, like an iPad or something. Um, That'd be nice. That hint, be hint. Nice. <laughs> My birthday's very soon. Um, <laughs> so we're thinking about making that. So this would be give some people who don't believe in having a TV in their house an excuse to get a TV in their house because it'll be a smart Jewish TV right. in their house. And it'll be a controllable TV. Controllable, which configured and stuff. Basically, it would load some type of web browser that's locked down um, that streams data based off of who you are, where you are, and when, when it is, what time it is. Right. So assuming, yes, yeah, so, so this would be something that you could work on with the rabbis to see how you could right. how you could manage that in your home. That would be something that would stream all the time without turning off. And in the same way, your device that you're wearing, your Google Glass or whatever device that you're wearing would be something that you could wear on Shabbos. Right. So That'd yeah. be wild. It would That'd be just be wild. Yeah, I don't know if there's any rabbis out there watching this come to me with ideas, I guess a watch or something. But again, um, I, don't, I don't know all the rules about that. I'm sure not every rabbi will approve it. So. Right, right. Okay, so prayer reminders. So you're sitting in a meeting. And you're looking outside, and um, this you indicated on your website at rustybrick.com. You can go see some of those pictures as well of how you envisioned Glass working um, for the working professional. You're sitting there in a meeting. It's reminding you that Mincha is in 10 minutes. It's telling you. So once you get that reminder that Mincha is in 10 minutes, then you have the option to say, okay, now that it's in 10 minutes, you can click on it and get certain actions. You could either say, I want to find a synagogue near me, and it'll give you options of synagogues. And you have to you. talk to it. You don't. You can actually. You don't have to talk to. You can just click on it, and it will say, "All right, find the synagogue," or swipe, show me the prayer, or whatever. It will basically show you different actions you could take once you get that reminder. Um, so here's the find the synagogue screen. Here's the show prayer screen. And this is what a prayer might look like, and this is what you know X and synagogues next to you will look. And like. then you get to shul, and you don't have your sitter handy, so you tap your Google Glass, and it brings up your sitter. Correct. 
and you can, although it's kind of tiny print, so I don't know how you can do that. I mean, I could see, I could see what it says, but if you're reading in Hebrew, you might want to figure out how many words you need to get on a page in order yeah, to read so it comfortably. Paginate and I've tried it. It, it. It's good for short snippets. I don't think you would dive into all chakras right. on it because it could be stress. It could, it could be straining your for your eye. Yeah, is, has there been any discussion about that? About whether this is actually good for your eyes? I didn't even think about that. I think it's so early that it hasn't gotten in the hands of those people. I mean, we'll you're literally—they tell you, you know, stay away from the microwave because of the of the waves that are coming out. Stay, you know, don't stand too close to the TV. But now you're literally putting the computer screen right up against your eye. Right. Like that can't be safe. I mean, they could figure they're out a saying, way. To, they should figure out a way to make it safe. They're saying it's safe. Okay, so Jewglass detects that you finally made it to Shul, and then gives you some quick tips. What can it tell you? So it will basically tell you, like today's, oh, yesterday was um, uh, Rosh, Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh, and it knows that you're supposed to say Hallel, no Tachlan, it tells you what the daf is for the day, um, it tells you, you know, what Parsha of the weekend and so is. So you would program that in, like, I'm Ashkenaz, and I'm, right. you know, that kind of thing, so it would tell so you. So based on, like, if you're in Israel, uh, it basically knows where you are, so it will show you that specific information for that day, only when you actually enter a synagogue. It knows, it's smart enough to say, oh, you're in a synagogue. We're gonna actually, all right, you're probably gonna dive in. So here's some information for you right. that can help you dive in. Right. And you could probably weed out the information that you don't need. Exactly. As well. Um, okay. Shabbos times you mentioned. How can Jewglass help us find kosher restaurants? So you could schedule like reminders or figure out based on your pattern when you typically go for lunch or dinner or whatever, and it could say, all right, it's lunchtime. Do you want to find kosher restaurants? And you'll see a little screen saying. Okay, show me closer restaurants, and it'll show you. So much you. the same way that people have been using their smartphones now. You talk to your smartphone, you say, help me find a kosher restaurant in the area. Right. And then it can map it out for you. Right. If you want, I can bring it up for you so you can see sure, it. Sure, let's at. do that. Um, okay, so right now I'm still looking at a picture of myself. I'm going to initiate a, um, a lunch thing. Okay. So I just need to see what's going on. And if you go to our video, so... Swipe down so you could... I'm swiping down. It cleared. Okay. Did I turn it off? Yes, yeah, so tap once. Tap once. Okay. Now swipe once. Swiping once. Too much? Swipe too long. You swipe too much. Go go swipe go down. Go back. Swipe down. And then swipe. Just turn it. Click it once. Clicking once. Lunchtime. There. Okay. So, so from where we are in Rockland County, there are a mere 10 kosher restaurants. We just nearby. showed. We just showed 10. We Right now we're just showing 10. Only 10. And, and we're essentially like in Muncie, right? So This is pulling from our shamash.org database of kosher Oh, cool. So I've used the shamash.org database before. Okay, so, I, so it's coming up 10 kosher restaurants nearby, and now I pick one restaurant. So you click on it. Click my... Yeah, just click on tap on it. Okay, tapping on it. What do you say now? Stop and shop. 32 South so now Milton you can swipe right. if you don't want to go there. Swipe forward? Yeah, slowly. Slowly. Doc Popcorn. You can swipe through the different territories. New City Kosher. Veggie Heaven. Carvel Store. Have any of, you, any of our listeners ever been to these places? Carvel Store again. I don't want to go to Carvel. We're not in Main Muncie, so it's not the Okay, ones. so Kosher Castle. All right, so click on. Is that a restaurant? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't want to call them. I'm so calling you, them. You're not, is it calling? No. <laughs> it says call. All right. So you, if, you, if you want to call, you hit tap again, but don't swipe. Okay. Swiping. So we don't want to call. Okay. Get directions. It says get directions. So and now I want to tap again. it. Swipe again. Is there a prayer? Swipe again. Show prayer. So if you want, you can show the prayer, but what you do is swipe back the other way. Swipe back the other way. It says get directions. Get directions. So if you tap it, it'll actually get you walking directions or driving directions. Well, directions. And can I program it to talk to me? 
It will actually start talking to you. I don't know what you're seeing right now. Yes, I'm seeing directions to Kosher Castle. Yeah, go down West Nyack Road. And if you turn Super your head, cool. it actually... You see? Oh, yeah. So you can see how useful that is when you're actually driving. It's not... I could see how useful it is when I... Yeah, most definitely. That is really cool. Very cool. You hear it, right? So head west. It said head west. Yeah. To get rid of it, tap. Tapping. And swipe and hit stop. Swipe. Swipe forward. I'm not sure which... And stop. Yes. And then you can go down to get rid of it. Okay, yeah, it's gone now. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, so I'm just going to take off the Google Glasses now because I've been having way too much fun <laughs> with them. And I do have to readjust my eyes a little bit. You, you definitely do have to do that. You definitely do have to readjust your eyes once you take the Google Glass off. Okay, so uh, Jew Glass is going to get you to the kosher restaurant. It's going to get you. It's going to show you options of kosher restaurants. It's going to get you to the kosher restaurant. You sit down to the meal, and you find that the menu is in Hebrew. Well, you won't find that in Muncie. Right. I mean, in the U.S. I don't mean to knock, I don't mean to say Muncie per right. se, but in the U.S. you're not going to find the menu in Hebrew. But let's say you're in Israel, and the menu is in Hebrew, and you don't understand the menu. So what is Jew Glass going to do for me? So right now that's not a feature done yet, but hopefully you'll be able to look at the menu, and it'll overlay the translation of what that Hebrew text says. So basically you're looking at something in Hebrew, you have no idea what it says and on a menu somewhere in Israel, right. and it's like, all So right. you're going to have to turn your head down to actually catch like a photo? Of the Either it will start analyzing what you're looking at, or you can see you probably tap and say, I want to translate this. We're not sure exactly how we're going to implement it yet, um, either as a photo or as real-time overlay translation. Right. Um, the, the truth is, Google's software kit is not fully done yet for Glass, and they're constantly releasing more features every day, so we're building more as they release more features. Right. So I guess this was part of the mystery, if you will, about the whole Google Explorer thing, is that they're putting it out there to a limited number of people who are obviously very talented people and they're letting people figure out how to use it and then going to get feedback and then bring this product out to the public. Right. And have you been giving them feedback? So yeah, there's a, there's a private forum for you to give feedback to them. There. Do you have any responsibilities as far as I'm a Google Explorer, now I have to do this? No, like are there zero. any I just gotta, you gotta I pay know, for obligations? You just have to pay for it. You just can't sell it on eBay for you mm-hmm. know more money than you you have to keep it you can't sell it to anybody else because uh-huh. there are people who you could sell these things probably right, of course for five times or more right. than what you paid for it um, but the only responsibility is to pay the money and then get it and right now so the 2,000 in the first run were programmers the 8,000 in the second run are, are what kind of people either a mix between programmers or just people who like geeky things so, but you have to have the technology, like you have to have the tech, the software, I guess, to use it with. Does it come prepackaged? So it, it comes with, pre, comes with prepackaged things. So the main screen lets you do things like take pictures, Google things, like I want to know how far away the sun is, and we'll tell you that. You could take pictures, you could do videos, you could do Google Hangouts, um, you can make phone calls. So there's a whole slew of stuff it comes with. Plus there's apps that it comes with automatically that you could turn on or off, like the New York Times app, the CNN app, which cool. is t- send data to you. There is a Twitter and Facebook app. One thing that I'm noticing as well, and now that I have the glasses off my head, when we were conferring about whether I'm swiping forward or swiping back, I realized that what I'm seeing in my eye is extremely personal. And unless somebody's looking at the phone that I happen to be carrying in my pocket, my online experience right now is something that's happening only between myself and my Google Glass. What do you think that does to you know the sense of camaraderie or the sense of community that we have created 
when we share movies, when we watch movies together, when we figure out how to get someplace together on our smartphones and we're walking down the road together, what do you think that has that's going to do to our sense of community? So it's also, think about it this way. So you're on a trip away from your husband and you're seeing this great, I don't know, waterfall with butterflies flying around, whatever this nature stuff is. Um, you want to share that experience with your husband, but he's all the way back in somewhere else, like right. tens and thousands of miles away. So all you have to do is initiate a Google Hangout, and he could see on his computer or his Google Glass, if he had live, live what you're seeing exactly through your Exactly what you're literally seeing with your eyes. Right. So it is bringing people together, but yet it's sharing personal information with you. But you could share that information either privately or publicly through social media or right. through other methods. Right. That's very cool. We are here at Barry Schwartz's Rusty Brick Offices in Rockland County, New York. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more of something to talk about right after this. seems so busy my phone is going crazy my hands are numb and frizzy the gadgets make us lazy we gotta take it easy oh oh can you hang up the phone i didn't see you in ages it seems to me contagious you're going through some stages the phone makes you outrageous it locks you up in cages unlike our stages Forever tries to choke us It's making such a ruckus We can barely focus Loving and driving Eating, working, sleeping Why keep on replying To all the rings and beeping
Instead of searching Google, I'm busy making Kogel. Instead of checking Himmel, ich hide my hands in Himmel. Ich darf nicht durch die Facebook, knitz nur an der Facebook. Lai, 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 chob a kusher telefon. iPad, iPhone, iPad, I do a skin to see my schkibel. Gedenk noch den Ei, ob ihr meint nur eine Zwiebel. Gedenk noch, wenn Blackberries fliegt mich wachsen in Manhattan. Ey, nur wenn so da herrig, dann nützt sich mit Tabletten. Schöne Nacht mit dem Phone. Schöne Nacht mit dem Phone. Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, and you're listening to me on the Nachum Siegel Network. If you have any questions or comments about today's program, please do email me at randy at nachumsiegel.com. That's R-A-N-D-I at nachumsiegel.com. We're sitting here in the Rockland County offices of Rusty Brick. We're sitting with Barry Schwartz, who is the CEO of the company called Rusty Brick. Such a cool name for a company, by the way. How would you come up with that name? It's my brother, Ronnie. I think we talked about this last yeah. time. In yeah. high school, just put two words together um, based off his initials. Nothing special. Well, your yeah, your initials. So his initials are your initials B. People think it's really <laughs> it's really his initials, but yeah. So as I said, Barry Schwartz is the CEO of Rusty Brick, and we've been talking about his newest innovation, which is called Jew Glass, and it's created for Google Glass. And the expectation is that people are not going to see Google Glass glasses until April of 2014. I mean, that's what I've been reading. Yeah, they keep Google keeps pushing off what they're telling people. So it was supposed to be a release sometime this year for the regular consumer, and now they're saying probably in a year from now. So it's hard to know exactly when it's going to be released. So, Barry, you and I were talking over the break a little bit about uh, Google coming out with this crazy new device versus when Apple comes out with new devices. And I was thinking to myself, because I'm a bit of an Apple user, I'm not such a, a Google – I mean, I use Google Docs, but I'm not like a Google Plus user – um, is it surprising to you that this device came from Google and not from Apple? So this device is really Google-like, meaning it's it's very beta. It's not polished. The battery is not so great. It looks awkward. Um, it's very limited. It does look a little funny. Yeah, it's it's much better with the uh, sunglasses on top. It comes in different colors like tangerine and stuff. Um, whereas if Apple were to release something, they would probably release something that's very, very polished that could be used on day one by users. Um, is the word on the street in the industry that Apple is quietly working on something similar and they're just going to unveil something bigger and better, let Google make all the mistakes, and then they're going to come out with a product that's going to over, overtake it? The word on the street is there. Yeah, they are working on some wearable technology. There is a rumor they're working on a watch. I'm not so sure. Um, glass is really 
in your eye watches you have to actually move something to see it right so it's it's going to be hard to tell for sure what apple is going to come out with but i think whatever they do come out with it's going to be a lot more polished and this at the same time give google credit this is a very early beta available only to a certain number of developers right um whereas what apple would introduce they wouldn't even do that apple would not give developers a preview of what the hardware is like there may be a little bit more uh i don't know say in control of their own device they're very Rather quiet. than passing it out to everybody. You know, when Apple releases something, like even the iPhone, there was rumors about some type of phone, but nobody knew what was going on. And then the day they announced it, everybody was like, whoa, wow. But right. was, Google's less likely to be more secretive about their... Products. When you first heard about Google Glass, uh, were you envisioning, were you right away asking yourself, how can I use that for the Jewish community? Yeah, immediately, pretty much. I mean, it was hard to envision how a person would actually use Google Glass with the Jewish world until I actually received it myself. Uh, because again, it's a whole different way of thinking about how apps work. Right. There's not. It's not really. You don't really work with apps in Google Glass. It's more of cards being pushed to your timeline. Um, supposedly, there's going to be a whole app side of things where you can actually say you can actually initiate these cards to actually trigger different apps to run. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, it's not working that way. So it's basically us pushing data to a timeline in somebody's eye. They could see that timeline. They could interact with it on some level, uh, but it's not full app. Are we pushing people too much? We're training them on a certain kind of device. We're training them to, you know, even my husband has the BlackBerry 10, the 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 one that doesn't have the keypad. Everything is on is the keypad is on the screen, and it's got a whole different homepage than the iPhone that I have, and it's a totally different way of utilizing the phone. And finally, he got used to his phone, and I got used to my phone, and now we're introducing people again to something new. Are we are we working people too hard? You finally get used to the device that you have, and then there's this new, greater, better thing coming out. The, the, the goal for these Apple and Google are to make something that you don't have to learn. That's just you know, common nature. If you ever give an iPad to a baby, like right. a one-year-old, two-year-old, they're able to actually start swiping and using it right that's off the true. bat. That's true. So that's an excellent you point. You give it to even to an older person, like a grandmother, whatever, they actually know how to use it as well by just looking at it and starting using it right away. That's their goal, to make something that's so easy and so streamlined that they don't have to learn anything. It just makes sense. Right. I want to get back to a moment from something that we discussed in the last half hour about the ability for somebody to see what you are actually seeing with your very own eyes. I happened upon an article written by uh, Jeff Numberg on NPR that says the following. I'll read it to you, and then we'll get some uh, reaction. There's a yearning that has driven the whole history of human communication, the desire to experience what's happening someplace else without leaving where you are. Over the centuries, each big technological advance has reduced the effort and imagination it takes to slip from one place to the other. And now there's glass, which brings the here and now and the there and then to just a twitch of the eye apart. That's as close as they can get without somebody actually going in and rewiring your optic nerves. Is that an ambitious thought? Well, when you go to Google Glass's website and mm-hmm. you view that demo for the first time, yeah. that's what they're trying to communicate. And that's what the guy picked up on. He took it, he went with it, and he wrote that you know, paragraph describing what the experience is like. Um, and as a user yourself... Are you experiencing that? As a user myself, I am not experiencing that right now because right now my network is, it's calling technical, but I'm a Google Apps user. So I use my RustyBrick.com email address for all my social connections through okay. Google. The problem is 
anything Google comes out with initially, their betas, never work with Google Apps users because of the security level. Okay. So I'm using my personal account, which I don't really have any social interactions with because whatever, it's, it's, it's a beta account that I use. So I'm not able to actually use it at the social level and experience that because of that limitation on. Right. But, and uh, from what I'm hearing from other people, they're not also using it on that level, even if they do use their Gmail account as their main account. It's just something that they're not, they're not experiencing this right now. You could technically. Right. I see people posting videos of them doing artwork. I see people posting videos of driving a car. And I guess it's a little less clunky than having to like hold your phone on top of your paper while you're trying to draw. Right. Which is essentially, I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw somebody recording like a sitter play and she was sitting next to me. She was holding her iPad up like this. Right. You know, it was kind of awkward looking just to see her holding her big iPad. Maybe it got a little bit less awkward when it was just the iPhone and it was something a little bit smaller. But, you know, this was something that people are getting used to. They are. It was funny because the founder of Google, Bryn, he was at his, I think, brother's wedding with Google Glass just maybe three weeks ago, sitting there taking pictures while he was up on the, uh, they don't call it a chuppah there, but <laughs> right. on the, uh, the podium with, you know, holding the ring or whatever, taking pictures with his brother right in front of him with his Google Glass. So it was, That's wild. It was awkward. It was like he's stealing the show from his brother's wedding. At the same time, for him, he's been wearing Google Glass for, what, two, three years now? Right. So it's not... It's and he's definitely to. getting much better photos than any photographer could he's under right, that wedding right canopy. And there's also a picture of somebody taking their kid and swinging them around and being able to see the reaction, the reaction. on their face. So I, I tried that, and it works pretty well, actually. Um, so you can't get those types of pictures without being hands-free. Right. It's cool. I mean, in the last blackout, we discovered the wearable flashlights that yeah. you just... I mean... You know, construction workers have been using them forever. We never really had them in our house, but they were extremely helpful to be able to walk around and, you know, do whatever you need to do with the flashlight just on your head. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's switch topics a little bit and talk about Rusty Brick, the company. And uh, you have a very unique way that you do things here. Um, you have a, what you call your proven process. And how does that work? Um, so typically a, a, a prospect will come into our office saying, I have this idea and they'll tell us their idea literally in like a minute or two. And then we'll have to go ahead and flesh out that idea and make it actually a, a reality. So our process is to first understand the idea, understand what the client's envisioning without him wearing glass to show us, you know, right. um, and then coming up with a approach to actually go ahead and implement that idea. So we start typically with the design phase flesh everything out in visual concepts. So and this is web design or app design? It or? could be anything. Web design, app design, mobile design. Um, so something like we did with the Jew Glass to actually let people visualize what people are going to see or experience when they're using either the website, the app, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Once that's, we flesh through all that. Once that's approved by the client and visually, so we, they understand what we understand in a visual concept. Once we figure that out and we're done with that and that's signed off on, then we'll have our programmers start attacking it, making it come to life. Um, after we build it, design it, and that's all done, we have our clients are able to actually interact with it functionally. They're able to send their friends or colleagues to actually play with it, and then we launch it, deploy it, make sure it runs okay, um, and um, then we launch it, and people in- interact with it, and we'll make changes going forward. How related do you think an app should be to its company's website? In other words, I'll give you an example. Um, I have kids in summer camp. And I typically go to the website to view photos. 
the the particular summer camp that my kids are in does not have an app, but there are camps out there that have an app that makes it very very easy to see the pictures right when they come out, and you're you're sitting there on your phone or your Google Glass or however you're looking at the pictures, and you could be wherever you are. Somehow at my child's camp, I have to go to the website, so which means I have to sign on to you know Safari or Google or whatever I'm doing on my phone and then go to the website and it's really hard to sort of reformat the pictures to fit within the screen. It's hard to swipe. But how related do you do you think an app should be? And do you think that every company that has a website should get into the app business? So I like to say apps should be subsets or functions of your website, not the mm-hmm. whole website. So for example, your camp, they don't need to have all the marketing materials, all the forms, right. apply for whatever on their app. They just right. pretty much want to have a a function there either for the parents, the campers, or the staff to have certain actions that they need to do on a day-to-day or weekly basis. Um, so I would pull off functions of the website mm-hmm. um, and build out a more interactive experience on the app. Right. But if you're going to the website, a lot of website traffic is now mobile-based. Yeah. Typically, it's somewhere between 20 and 30%. My website's a lot more. It's probably closer to 50%. Yeah. Um, and you have to make sure that your website is not a site that's designed just for desktop users that have Flash on it. You have to make sure that it works well on a mobile device. Right. And there's different ways of doing that as well. Do you make a limited website with certain functions that are only available on a mobile uh, user interface? Mm-hmm. Or do you do something that mimics the exact website but makes it something it, it, it makes it look better on a mobile platform? It's so interesting. I had signed up for something and I was getting emails about events that were coming up. And I had noticed on my phone that the background to the email that I was receiving from this company was dark blue, and the writing was in white. But on my phone, on my iPhone, when dates come up, they come up in royal blue so that they're clickable, and then you can automatically create an event in your calendar. And what I think this company wasn't realizing, that when the background is royal blue and the date is, when the background, it was like a navy blue, and the date was royal blue, it was really hard to see the date, and it was really hard to see, it just kind of looked like a blank space. And I felt like that was, that's so, that's such an easy fix, right? You just have to go in and change the font color. Right. No, but people don't think about that. Right. Uh, we try to think about everything. We try to think about not just, you know, making a website, but making a website that works well for desktop users different types of browser users, different types of internet connections, plus the different types of tablet devices, smart, uh, smartphones, maybe making it work for TV, smart TVs or making it work for Google Glass. Right. So you have to think about all these types of things. And there's other things, too, you have to think about. You have to also think about search engines and how the search engines are accessing the website, right. what they're seeing on the website. Um, and there's lots of different devices as well as algorithms and robots you have to build your website or your apps for. So it's thinking well beyond Sounds very complicated. Yourself. I can't believe that you built your prototype of your Jew glass in two days. I mean, that's that sounds amazing to me. Well, yeah. I mean, our Sitter app and our other apps took longer because we didn't have the content. We didn't have the data to supplement all that information. But now that we have all that information, us producing more um, you know, apps re- related to that information is much easier for us. Right. And while you bring up the Sitter app, let's remind our listeners that after today's show, hopefully you've listened really well and you'll continue to listen really well. And tomorrow morning you'll tune into JM and AM and Nahum will be giving away five free Rusty Brick iPhone Sitter apps to callers who call in and can answer a question about today's show. So um, so that's your proven process. Let's. So you recently celebrated your Sitter's fifth birthday. Your iPhone sitter's fifth birthday. How was that for you? It was good. It was this past Sunday. Um, it was the fifth anniversary of the sitter being pushed out to the app store. 
And how successful is your sitter in the Jewish marketplace? Um, I think everybody would say it's the best, most useful Jewish app in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because it's just smart. It's just, and again, it knows what day it is. It knows what your nusach is. It knows where you are in the world. And it will just show you that what you need to say for that day. It has localized manam. So Jewish times pop up at you. It could push you reminders. It could show you the closest minion to you. It's basically one of those things that I personally use and a lot of people personally use on a day-to-day basis to help them, you know, with their Jewish way of life. Do you go on other sitter apps to see, like, what they're missing to build up your own? Or is that not a question you want to answer? <laughs> I don't. I, I haven't. Um, not in years. Typically, I think all the other. I haven't looked in a long time, but supposedly all the other sitter apps um, don't come close. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, I'm not a consumer. I'm kind of biased, but um, we definitely, I think, charge more than anybody else for the app. Uh, but at the same time, I think our app. But it's is definitely money well spent. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, what is your YouTube channel? So I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's Rusty Brick. Um, what can we, people see on your YouTube channel? Typically, it's search-related stuff. I do a weekly uh, video podcast type of thing on search topics, talking about how Google works, why does certain why do certain websites rank higher than others. Is it like search engines for dummies, or is it for it's, people who have a little bit more knowledge? Um, so the the recap I do basically I I write it a search I write a two different search blogs, search engine roundtable, search engine land. They're pretty much the most um, authoritative sources on. Are search. those industry blogs or are those Blogs for public consumer use. It's public. Anybody could access it. Um, I think on average they get about somewhere between 50 and 100,000 unique visits per day. Cool. So it's definitely a huge uh, amount of readers. Um, and I talk about, if you're reading those sites, I talk about very, very advanced topics or news or whatever around Google, Yahoo, Bing. Um, it's very, it's, so most of it's very technical. Some of it's news related. Um, and my weekly recap, which I, I pull out the most important topics, and I'll summarize them within 10 minutes on a video that I post on YouTube. Um, it probably is a little bit more advanced than than a person who doesn't know anything about websites or Google. Or but whatever. after listening to today's show, they can tune in because they're going to be in the know. Right. So the 5 million views plus don't come from... Um, from most of those search videos. They do. They keep increasing. But there was this... Um, app I downloaded. It wasn't even an app. It was like a video of how to make iPhone out of your pop, uh, popcorn out of your iPhone. Okay. And for some reason, I that video ranked number one in Google for a few years if you searched iPhone popcorn. That's wild. And everybody wanted to find information about how do you, they thought it was some type of real thing. You could actually make iPhone, uh, popcorn out of your iPhone. It was just a gimmick. So I, my video ranked number one for it above the person who actually made it. And that video alone has like, I think, two million views. Whoa. So that's where... A good fraction uh, so that, of that's the, like viral status. That's like it went viral. Super and viral status. Super viral, and that video said out two million. Other three million were from just search-related topics. Does the reach astound you that you can make a, a video about something in your office, post it on YouTube, and get two million people that's the interested of the internet. That's the in, of, in uh, watching your your little video? That's the beauty of the internet. That's I mean. Well, let's just say Justin Bieber. That's why he's who right. he is now. Not that I'm right, Justin right, Bieber right. or Because he was be, discovered but, on a YouTube video. But that's the power of social media and YouTube and all these different things out there. Right. I mean, thankfully, we have a huge reach out there. Our Twitter followers are about 40,000. How can people follow you on Twitter? Rusty Brick on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, tw- Rusty Brick. Google Plus, Rusty Brick. Um, and we're pretty active on there. But yeah, f- I mean, 5 million is an astounding number. Five million YouTube videos in how many years? Five years of being on YouTube. 
Right. That's an average of a million hits a year. That's pretty cool. See, and I did the math really quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, last year, in February of 2012, your company dominated the top Jewish apps list. Top 30 Jewish apps, and you had seven apps on that list. Tell us about that list. Um, so uh, Rabbi Jason Miller, I believe, wrote an article for... I think the Jewish week mm-hmm. and I think it was syndicated in other places. He did a big study or analysis of all the various Jewish apps in the market back then. And I think the list had about what we say, 20 or 10, uh, 30 top 30 Jewish top 30, apps. So 30 different Jewish apps on there. And a lot of ours were on there at the same time. We have a ton of Jewish apps. Um, are you the top Jewish app maker? Um, I think so. I mean, um, we definitely have a lot more Jewish apps under our name than other places, but there are tons of Jewish apps out there. So it didn't surprise you? It didn't surprise me, no. <laughs> so let, let's just tell some people, let's just tell the people some of the apps that were there. iPhone Sitter, which if you're going to listen to JM and the AM tomorrow, you can win. iPhone Tikkun, iPhone Shabbos Clock, Olive Bet app, Hebrew email app, iPad Torah app, and Shabbat Shalom app. And you were surprised at the time that some apps didn't make the cut. Kosher app and Jewish radio app didn't make the list. Right. I'm surprised the kosher app didn't make the list. It's definitely incredibly useful. Um, I guess he just must have missed it. And do people still use that app today? Yeah, it's a pretty popular app. Uh, tell us real quick. We've got just got a couple of minutes left. What have you been doing with ArtScroll lately? All right. So ArtScroll, we finished the – we built out their ArtScroll Talmud in digital. It's pretty impressive. It overlays all the English and Hebrew and commentary all in your all in the app itself. It works on iPhone and uh, iPhone and iPad. Um, an iPod Touch, um, that's pretty much done, and we're making tweaks throughout throughout the year. And soon we're actually going to be releasing the Android version. I think any week now. Very uh, cool. That's very cool. And um, lastly, I saw an article that you had posted on your website, and this was back in January of this year, January of 2000, 2013. And this relates also to your work in the search engine roundtables. You posted an article: Should I upgrade to the new Verizon iPhone 4? Do you feel a responsibility to the community at large to sort of explain, help people navigate through this wild world of technology? Because it can be confusing. I don't feel a response. <laughs> Honestly, no, <laughs> I don't. Okay. Um, I was Anything that comes to mind that I want feedback from, from people who could help me make a decision, mm-hmm. I'll post out there. I don't necessarily feel a responsibility to... But um, certainly if anybody has questions, I get questions you would definitely like, be a person to talk to. People call me all the time, could I come here and, install, and get the Sitter app on my BlackBerry? I'm like... You can come here, but you can't get the Sitter app on your BlackBerry because we don't have it for a BlackBerry. Uh-huh. Um, but people call us all the time with the most out there questions that they don't know anything about in terms of an iPhone or Android or whatever, and they ask questions that they could either walk into an Apple store and get those answers, or they feel like they, sh- they should call us for those answers. Right. Super. And how can people reach you? Um, RustyBrook.com. My email is Barry at RustyBrook.com, B-A-R-R-Y, not I. Right. Um, and... Um, if they want to learn more about Jewglass, there should be a link on RustyBrick.com to Jewglass. Yes, definitely check out Jewglass. It's uh, it's very cool, and there's a lot of information on RustyBrick.com. And again, if you have any questions or comments about today's program, definitely do email me, Randy at NahumSiegel.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, right here on Something to Talk About here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Let's give them something.